I will make the world bend to my will, including my handwriting. Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Johnny Gamber, signing in with my two most forgery-proof co-hosts, Andy Buffley and Tim Wasson. How's it going, guys? I literally didn't get it until just now, which is a signing in thing. <laughs> oh, no! Forge- Forgery-proof. Wait, yeah. no, you're saying you just heard him now, or no, I, you didn't I, understand the joke? When he said signing in, I was like, why did he say it like that? And then I was like, oh, because we're going to talk about signatures. <laughs> See what see what he did there? Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are pros. Yeah. This is the kind of No, no, that's that's good. I think you should just this, keep on going. This is this is the kind of uh precision worksmanship. Worksmanship is that worksmanship. a word? It is now. Worksmanship. It is now uh, that you get after 112 episodes. Exactly. <laughs> we surprise each other. Yeah. Keep it fresh. So we're, more later. so we're going to talk about signatures <laughs> a little later. That's, because that's a signature move of ours, that's too. A signature move. Yeah. Oh! Uh. So a little later, we're going to buy Garlington, and we're going to talk about creating the perfect signature, even in the digital age of facial recognition and portable fingerprint scanners. But you know, before we go all indelible, why don't we jump into tools of the trade? You want to go first, Andy? Yeah. Um, in the middle of reading a really interesting book, uh, it's called Word by Word, The Secret Life of Dictionaries. <laughs> and it's written by this woman, who uh, Corey Stamper, who was a, um, an associate editor at Merriam-Webster. And um, it's, it's kind of about how like language prescriptivism is a lie. Like there's, you know, dictionaries are not like there to like set, set the standard for language. It's there to kind of report on it. Right. And it's people talk about like how ain't ain't a word because ain't ain't in the dictionary. You know, that's like a thing everybody said when they were kids. Uh, mm-hmm. Turns out it is a word. It is in the dictionary. And even if it wasn't, um, you know, like dictionaries are there to just sort of like it like it should be. Right. So it's really interesting. She talks a lot about sort of like the history of dictionaries and the process of how you um, like how lexicographers like research a word and put it into dictionaries and kind of the um, intricacies of really hard to capture words and grammar and often how completely arbitrary grammar rules are. (laughs) So really interesting. Um, I definitely recommend it to anyone, especially for the uh, language prescriptivists and sort of the pedantic uh, word and grammar people in your life, like have them read this book. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, I'm just, just caught up with Star Trek Discovery season two, which is a fantastic show. I'm super into Star Trek Discovery. So yeah, that is, that is my, uh, my media I've been consuming lately. Um, that, and I, that yeah. first book you mentioned reminds me of, I haven't read it yet, but I've got a book somewhere. It's called the meaning of everything, I think. And it's a, it's a little book that's about the history of the Oxford English Dictionary that I've been, I've yeah. been reading to read. Um, looks super interesting. But yeah, I, sh- I should read that. haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I've heard about that that book. Yeah. Uh, and I'm writing um, with my super bright green um, field notes that is was made for The James Brand. Don't know anything about The James Brand, what that is, why it has the in front of it. Um, 
but this is a very, very bright green. Um, it's James Brand Electric Moss Green um, is the name of this color. Um, and I am writing with my uh, new Blackwing Natural. No, just kidding. I'm not. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Nope. So, Tim, how about you? You suddenly hear Johnny knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah. and like, Shit, give me, give me, give me. How'd you get here so fast? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waffly, open up. Uh, yeah, so I've got a few books here. I was going to mention the first one I'm reading. is It's called Fire Season. Uh, it's actually the, the full title appropriately for us is Fire Season Field Notes from a Wilderness Lookout. And uh, <clears throat> I stumbled across this book because uh, the author, whose name Philip Connors is the is the author's name, uh, I heard him interviewed on the Art of Manliness podcast, which I it was kind of like really fortuitous that I heard it because I, I almost never listened to that podcast and it just randomly crossed my mind. I was like, yeah, I wonder what's going on with that, and pulled it up, and the first one that popped up was uh, an interview with him about his new book. He just came out with, and so he is a a writer who was like working in the in the city in New York and then had an opportunity to move out to Gila National Forest uh, and be a fire watcher. And so now he does that for like four and a half or five months a year. Hmm. And then he's a bartender for the other part of the year. So it sounds like a pretty awesome life. Uh, but yeah, he just kind of like reflects on his job up there and um, uh, just tells some pretty great stories, but also gives a lot of amazing history about you know, fire watchers and just how the the forest uh forest service has treated fires over the years and it's super fascinating and uh johnny you said you've read this yeah um field notes plugged it back when a uh, fire spider came out uh, i you mentioned that and i didn't realize that it was actually a direct reference to it because I, I wasn't that was pre my interest in field notes oh no i mean i don't think it had anything to do with field notes brand but, but you said that, but they like mentioned it. Right? Yeah, they mentioned it with some um, yeah. some articles on the history of uh, lookout towers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So that's really cool. I have to, uh, have to look back at the video and stuff for that <clears throat> for that edition. But yeah. I'm really enjoying that book. It's really awesome, and it's a book that I I definitely got it from the library and then ended up buying a copy because I can just tell that I'm going to read it a lot. Um, I just finished a Lee Child jack reacher novel hmm. uh that i kind of stumbled into i think i've talked about him on here before yeah I, so. but but i i hadn't in a while and i just i don't know i think i had put something on hold from the library and it just popped up all of a sudden i was like oh yeah whatever i listened to it but it was awesome i really enjoyed it it was called 61 hours um it takes place in south dakota in the middle of like a crazy snowstorm um dealing with this like mysterious uh uh, mysterious old Air Force bunker that was built in South Dakota, and they don't know why it's there, and they don't know what's inside. And there's this like, uh, or, you know, all these rumors that circulate, and he just kind of ends up in the town, of course, like he always does, <laughs> uh, and then has to help figure it out. But it was super, it was super uh, entertaining, so I recommend it. And um, yeah, the only other thing as far as consuming, I've been listening to a lot of uh, jazz lately. Been picking up some new records uh, getting some jazz on vinyl because it's it is just amazing to me how much uh, that's that's one genre where the the sound quality is is super noticeable when you listen to something on vinyl and i've especially been listening to monin by art blakey and the jazz messengers that's one of my all-time favorite albums and i i picked it up on uh pick up the record and i've been wearing that one out the last 
last week or so. So I would I definitely recommend that that album from it's like 19 uh, 1963 something like that 1962 hmm. awesome album and uh and watching basketball so warriors <laughs> yeah i've i've been i'm watching nba basketball semi-regularly for the first time in many many years because i'm so desperate for baseball to come back i needed some, <laughs> some sport to watch but I'm, I, had, I had to decide on a team you know i've been been in the market for a team and i think i've i think i've made my decision do you, do you want to share what that that team is it's subject to change okay because i don't because i, because I don't care that much yeah but <laughs> uh the milwaukee bucks the wait the milwaukee what that is the team the milwaukee bucks oh okay yeah that's interesting yeah. deep cut <laughs> did i not did i not uh fully pronounce the b there and you're like hey this is a family-friendly fun <laughs> whoa 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 <laughs> no yeah they're really good this year and they've got some uh, some young players that are really yeah. uh, awesome they're, they're just fun to watch so the, the, the bay area is this like soaked in warriors like people here love oh, yeah. the warriors so hard and I actually, I'll talk about this a little later. I was for Christmas. I got tickets. Katie and I were going to go see um, a Warriors game, um, nice. and actually, I will not be able to go because I'm going to Singapore, oh. which I'll talk about in a little bit. But um, yeah, it's really interesting how much just just how much people are. Katie really likes college basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a big Indiana University fan, and oh, yeah, but NBA is just like so present out here. Yeah, I don't. With me, it's with the NBA. It's like I I get the reason why some people are so into college basketball, but then I'm like, but the NBA players are just so much better. Yeah. <laughs> like they're, just, they're just so much better at basketball. Like, shouldn't we watch that one? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. elitist. So, yeah. Sorry, but uh, I am writing. I just you know just happened to be writing with a Blackwing 1917 that I put a gray eracer on. Mm-hmm. Uh, just you know, I don't know what what sparked that inspiration there. <laughs> But I uh, worked my way through a whole one just like that over the course of the last several days. And I just uh, assembled another one. Don't know what inspired that. And <laughs> no I am idea. writing in a uh, Obama.org together field notes. Notebook. Oh, nice. Son of a B word. <laughs> so I. Uh, basketball? Love it. <laughs> basketball. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, for for many reasons is a, is a. A favorite edition so yeah. far. I love it. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about it more later. And never mind. But cool. we'll we'll come back to that. Yeah. So how about you, Johnny? So um, I've been on a reading kick lately, which is always good for winter, I guess. So um, I finally read Any Human Heart by William Boyd. Have you guys read this book or saw the seen the miniseries? No. No. So um, it's a story of a guy named Logan Mont Stewart and basically like the 20th century and his journey as a guy and a writer and um, then a guy and then a writer again and a spy. But um, yeah, it was like, you know, Hemingway is a character in the book and it's not a character of Hemingway, which is, you know, good. Although the the character of him in Midnight in Paris was at least funny. Yeah, it was really cool. But um, yeah, it was one of those books. I always, I always talk about this. It's really, really satisfyingly big. Like, this is so good. I'm glad it's 500 pages long. <laughs> so um, that was an enjoyable book. And then I moved on to a book that I'd already read called Writers and Their Notebooks, which hmm. was a book, I guess it came out in like 2010, where one writer asked other writers to send in essays about how they use their notebooks. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was like on topic. Like, the book was really nice. 
The only thing was that you got the impression that she just said notebooks, and some of them thought that meant work notebooks, some thought that meant journal, some thought that meant diary, but that made the book more interesting. Hmm. But like the philosopher in me is like, pick a term. It has to mean the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, th I think it's still in print. I assume it's still in print. It wasn't like a big splash book or anything. But um, up, up, you know, there'll be a link on there if you want to find it. And um, I just watched the film Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. It just came out on, um, I think, Amazon this past week with uh, Joaquin Phoenix hmm. about John Callahan, the cartoonist. That was uh, really, really good. It was surprisingly not sentimental. It was about, you know, his um, his accident that left him paralyzed and um, his career as a sort of controversial cartoonist and uh alcoholic and stuff it was it was really good but keenan phoenix you know he's always really good yeah and stuff even with really bad like late 70s haircuts <laughs> and like a really unfortunate mustache <laughs> but um yeah it's on no such i think thing. amazon <laughs> oh yeah this thing is a fortunate mustache terrible <laughs> um it's on amazon prime i think they made it so you can go check it out and watch it for free and um, I am late to the game, but finally watching The Haunting of Hill House, which is so good. Did you guys check that out in the fall when it came out? No. On no, Netflix. So Stephen King said it was close to a masterpiece. I'm like, well, he hates everything. So <laughs> I will check that out. But I feel, it's hard to talk about it without spoiling anything. But it's really good. It's genuinely creepy. Yeah. And um, you know, it's about families and grief and um. That's on Netflix. Netflix made it. So we have 10 episodes of that. I watch it when everyone's asleep, which is, you know, a good setting for it. <laughs> and um, I am writing with a Blackwing volume 16.2, which is the matte white one in honor of winter. And I have sharpened it with an Eiffel Tower point <laughs> with my hovel. Like I sent you guys a picture like, no, shit, I mean, <clears throat> no. <laughs> No crap. This point is like more than two inches long, and it's like the what David Reese would call the collar bottom, where the wood and the paint meet. That is really crooked, but the rest of it is so pretty. Yeah, I don't want to use it, but did, I do. Did you see TJ's uh, video about the hovel? I might have watched it several times. <laughs> <laughs> so our it good really our good friend TJ Cosgrove, who has the wooden graphite um, video channel, he he also got one and reviewed it. Um, yeah, and it was as I think Harry Marks pointed out. It's like ASMR uh, videos with with the hovels. So watch it over and over and over again. It gives you that chill down your back. Yeah, make yeah. a note to put that in the show notes. <laughs> so that'll be linkable on here. And yeah, yeah, um, that's what I'm consuming. So why don't we jump into fresh points yeah. before we sign on? Uh, I get it now. We should have made this joke many more times. Yeah. <laughs> Lose some listeners. One over. They sign off. Yeah. Well, I'm signing on to. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, first fresh point um, Baron Fig released an interesting new. Um, you know, they've been really hitting it with these kind of like structured content uh, confidants lately. You know, they had that habit journal, they had their dream journal. Um, they just released something called the Savor Recipe Journal, and it is a bright blue <laughs> it's not blue it's red i'm looking at it right now it's red <laughs> tomato red Valentine. yeah um confidant and uh they basically have a 
recipe log in there. So you put down your you put in your ingredients, you put in your instructions, um, and just like some notes some notes about it. Um, it's it's pretty. I don't know. There's to me there seems like it's a really fine line between like too vague and too prescriptive for these kind of like structured content things and um, journals. And this one feels a little far onto the prescriptive side, but um, I can think of a lot of people who would really be into, uh, into using that, like into having, having that there. Um, But it's, it's gorgeous. It's using the, the thing they've been doing with their structured notebooks where it it has the elastic strap on it. Um, I hope that makes its way to the regular blank notebook soon because that's one of the only things I can think of that it that would improve a confidant. Um, <laughs> but but I also it's like a confidant. It is uh, fabric covered, and if this is going to be sitting in your kitchen all the time while you're cooking, like this thing is going to get dirty real quick. <laughs> Grease soaked. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's gorgeous. The you know as usual the product photography on like. Baron Fig stuff is on point. So uh, if this is something that appeals to you, be sure to go check out check that out. We have a link in show notes. Um, my, my next fresh point, both Johnny and Tim uh, separately talked to me. He was like, what? What is this about? So <laughs> my, my fresh point just says, I'm going straight edge. <laughs> so no, I am not going to adhere to the straight edge lifestyle. Um, I just sort of got in my head that I really want a little... Um, a little ruler that I can put in with my field notes and put into my little stuff sheath. So I uh, posted an RSVP because it is a very RSVP um, topic. I was looking for a a ruler with a good with a good like edge on it that is no longer than six inches and um, is like flexible but like rigid enough not to just like get bent. And found a bunch of cool things. There was this one like carbon fiber um, ruler that was like as light as plastic, but super, super hard. Um, but honestly, like it took me, it took me a while and I found this thing on Amazon. It's probably just some super knockoff. Um, it is called the Ekloen, uh, ruler and it is, uh, made of like anodized aluminum. It is five inches long exactly. So it's about, uh, half an inch shorter than, than my field notes. And it comes in, um, five different colors or five pieces it's a five piece set it's exactly the same ruler um i'm sorry it's 4.7 inches or that at least that's uh that's even better yeah it's a really good size it's 10 bucks on an amazon prime and it comes in uh red blue yellow purple and green um so if anybody look at this um i'm a i'm a big fan of like taking a, just a, like a blank page notebook and putting some straight lines for my, um, like just along the side to kind of create my own margin. And I, I often, when I'm making my show notes, um, I like to put like a line down the middle, like a steno pad on one side is like fresh notes and the, the other side is like timestamps and stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm a big fan of this. I'm f- trying to think of a good kind of unobtrusive way to like just clip it to my notebook. Uh, so it's ten, ten, ten dollars for five of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I missed that. Okay, so you yeah. get all five uh, colors. I want one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just, I'll, I'll send you one. I have. Do I they have... have cork, cork on the back? Uh, uh-uh. uh nope. It's all. That's cool. I don't like that cork. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's super thin. You, you can close it up in your pocket notebook real easily. So, um, That's yeah, awesome. Pur- purple one spoken for. If either of you want either the red one or the green one or the yellow one, I'll send it to you. 
I'm yeah. going to take you up on this. Okay. That's, uh, that's shotgun red. Shotgun red. <laughs> no, those are cool. Talk offline. Yeah. That's a, that's a good idea. I would never have thought to want that. Yeah. But now I want that. It's really, yeah, it's really <laughs> useful. Um, yeah. 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 Last thing I'll mention, uh, I'm going to Singapore in March. I, uh, that's exciting. Yeah. We talked earlier about um, this book that I'm writing with my friend Michael Metz and... Um, kind of after we made an announcement to the internet about this, so somebody from this UX design studio in Singapore just messaged him out of the blue and was like, hey, we're doing this UX writing workshop during Singapore Design Week, or we, we went to, and would you come and do it? And we're like, yes, 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 we will. So we are going to Singapore in <laughs> March, and I'm going to be... That's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to be asking everybody for their um, Singapore stationary recommendations because I... I have never been to a an Asian stationery store. Uh, well, I mean, like you know, Mido, like Japanese stationery here in town. But if anybody here has been to Singapore and has bought stationery there, please let me know. See what they have at their uh, Walmart. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you go into their to a Walmart and it's all Singapore Ticonderogas. And... <laughs> no, it's just like all black wings. Yeah. Like, Come on. Yeah. yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Good. I'm happy for you. Super excited about 17 hours straight on a plane being six foot two and sitting in economy. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. You could watch like an entire series. (laughs) I'm sure I could. I'm uh, I'm trying to figure out. Reading and like listen to an entire audio book. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what what, um, stuff to bring with me. Like what do I want to bring like a like a nice journal and basically fill it up or do I. Like how how do I keep myself busy for seventeen hours? Because I kind of go crazy in the five hour flight back to back to Indiana from here, <laughs> right? Like I'm you could write your book. I get really antsy. That's true. Just <laughs> just write the whole. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> you could be not such just a lazy start. ass and just get finished get starting your book. I think you've got something to do there. Yeah. yeah. Just joking. We should record an entire like a super difficult podcast before that, so I can spend the entire time trying to edit it. <laughs> You can have just like keep... a really uh, wired guest, and we'll all drink lots of coffee. <laughs> yeah, we'll just Johnny. I'll keep dropping in like uh, really crude Easter eggs for you to pick out. And oh, like, I can't wait. Oh. <laughs> Mouth harp. <Yeah>. Hey, <laughs> Johnny, uh, doing the mouth harp sound between every word that he says. <laughs> like... Johnny, <laughs> Tim, do you want to? Uh... <laughs> Johnny he said, "Damn it, where's my mouth harp?" <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll take over. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's awesome. So uh, the first thing I was going to bring up, just with a, an update, uh, membership pod, we've got uh, six episodes out now. My yeah. new one came out today. An interview with Charlie Peacock, who's a uh, uh, Jason and John met him in, in Nashville and talked to him, and he's a music producer and musician who's recorded in kind of all kinds of different genres. And it's a really awesome interview they did. Uh, he's he's a guy who worked with uh, like uh, the Civil Wars and mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Lone. I think the Lone Bellow. I think he worked with them as well. So kind of similar, uh, but he 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 makes uh, jazz albums and he has four Grammys. So he's a really interesting dude. He's been been a, around the music 
uh, industry for a while, and he's a big fan of Wendell Berry. He actually has a song called uh, Wendell Berry in a Field at Night from his latest album. It's an instrumental album. So, uh, yeah, that just went up. And we also just interviewed Laura Dunn, who's the she's the woman who uh, directed the Wendell Berry documentary that is on Netflix right now, which mm-hmm. is called Look, at, Look and See which that'll come out in a, in a few weeks. And that was a really great interview. She's awesome. She, she was doing it with, uh, uh, under the production company of, uh, Robert Redford and Ter- Terrence Malick. <laughs> so, oh. oh, wow. Pretty, pretty amazing, uh, connections there. Um, yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. So, and on the Wendell Berry topic, I wanted to bring up an essay of his that I think I've probably mentioned like way early on in the podcast, but I think it's, it's, it's uh, worth bringing back up. I'm saying like, I might, might even been single digits when I brought this up the first time yeah. episodes, but there's a, he has an essay that's called why I am not going to buy a computer. <laughs> um, it's, it's a short and sweet essay from 1987. Yeah. Uh, the year, year I was born. And he said, uh, and so title pretty much gives you the gist of it but he makes a couple of references in there that i just thought our listeners would would appreciate um at the beginning of the essay it says like almost everybody else i am hooked to the energy corporations which i do not admire yeah i hope to become less hooked to them in my work i try to be as little hooked to them as possible as a farmer i do almost all my work with horses as a writer i work with a pencil or a pen and a piece of paper and then later on she, he says that even his wife who like types up his manuscripts for him uh types still in 1987 was typing on a, a Royal standard typewriter from 1956. Wow. Um, and then right at the end, he says, uh, of the essay, he says my final and perhaps my best reason for not owning a computer is that I do not wish to fool to wish to fool myself. I disbelieve and therefore strongly resent the assertion that I or anybody else could write better or more easily with a computer than with a pencil, uh, which is a, you know, just a, a great quote. And then at the end he says, uh, to make myself, or, you know, just a couple lines down, he says, to make myself as plain as I can, I should give my standards for technological innovation in my own work. <laughs> they are as follows. One, the new tool should be cheaper than the one it replaces. Two, it should be at least as small in scale as the one it replaces. Three, it should do work that is clearly and demonstrably better than the one it replaces. And four, it should use less energy than the one it replaces. <laughs> and he, there's, there's, like, there's like five more. <laughs> he just keeps going, but uh, really kind of shutting down the, the entire notion that he would ever use a, use a, a computer, um, which I just. So do you, do you know now, 32 years later, does he have a computer or? No, no, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, he absolutely does not. He, he still writes, uh, yeah, by he, hand and like spiral bound notebooks and pencils. And how's he going to come on your podcast then? Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we can bring it to him. Yeah, that's so. true. That's true. <laughs> we can bring the technology to him, yeah. and he'll begrudgingly let us use it, um, like the the cameras for the documentary that was made. So, so yeah, I thought people would enjoy that. And you can look up that essay. It's all. It's seriously. It's like a page long. It's a kind of a mini essay of his. Yeah. Um, and also, oh yeah, I I forgot. There's an announcement from Blackwing. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. We can skip that, though. No. <laughs> yeah, now that people have been waiting for 45 minutes or whatever. Yeah, uh, yeah so the, the the new Blackwing standard edition <laughs> that we've been hoping for and talking about and describing in almost the exact same terms for, <laughs> like, <laughs> years. Uh, yeah, it's here. Uh, the Blackwing Natural was announced, which is was super exciting. Yeah. Um, everybody was you know, really pumped up about that, still pumped up about that. And uh, well, so the what... edition is... What I think is really interesting about this was it was like super leaked, like right, like (laughs) 
somebody yeah, somebody like went three to, days early yeah or somebody went to the national stationery show like one of the like some boutique gift shop or some vendor and they they posted a picture of it and somebody found it and just put it in the group and was like oh my god and we had nothing to like this was like out of the blue right <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then all of a sudden all of a sudden that post was gone <laughs> Part of me was wondering if that boutique vendor even existed. And this was just like an elaborate, like his name <laughs> is Schmarl Schmerlsheimer. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's kind of mind blowing to see it, but it was like, finally, yeah. goodness gracious, which is like, you know, they made a, a, a for those of you who, some, who don't know uh, about this, there's a, a new Blackwing coming out. That's going to be a standard edition that they're always going to have. It is a, it's called the Blackwing natural. It is a naked, incense cedar pencil with the extra firm graphite core, the same they had in the 24 and in the 1917. Uh, and it has a uh, gold ferrule and a gray eraser. And yeah. It is beautiful. I, and and I, I think it's worth mentioning that we, in the the life of this podcast, we've been recording for almost five years now, there has not been a new addition to the regular lineup. So the last one was the Pearl in 20, yeah. 2013. So this, yeah. is, this is the first time in a very long time that we've had a new permanent edition. And it's one that's overdue with the yeah. with the core, which to me is very bittersweet because the the arrival of the Blackwing Natural means the total disappearance of the Palomino HP. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah that's depressing. Sort of sucks because the Palomino HP is just as good of a pencil as this. Yeah. I and mean, they're basically and... the exact same thing, and it's half the price. So yeah, yeah there true. would be no Blackwings without how successful that pencil was. Yeah, yeah. they really launched their brand. Yeah. Sure. So, that's, so yeah, that's that kind of sucks. Yeah. But you know, at least this is here. So and I so we we all ordered them in large quantities when they first came out, and then immediately got a notice that they were delayed because because <laughs> they, they didn't realize so many of us were going to order this. I I was so uh, excited because I was like, you know, I live eighty miles from Stockton. I mm. I paid for priority shipping because I'm just like that much of a like a douchebag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so excited. I was like, I want to get my pencils before anyone else. And uh, I got uh, my, <laughs> I got that, that email that they were going to be delayed five to 10 days just because of logistics and stuff. You, I, you should get your priority shipping back. I mean, <laughs> it's, I fi- it's fine. I'm sure. I mean, once they do ship it out, I'll get it real fast, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's still like, you get like nine <laughs> days later. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, I'm like a dollar a day. Yeah. It, it's just, it's just so funny how, like it kind of got leaked like that, and then all of a sudden that post disappeared, and then then suddenly Blackwing had a big thing like, oh, we have an announcement coming Thursday, <laughs> and we're like, yeah. oh, I wonder what it could be. Oh, what could it be? <laughs> yeah, and, and then I think... they showed us that picture of like human skin and burlap, yeah. and we're like, what? Weird. <laughs> Especially because this pencil has um, some sort of finish on it; it's not actually naked like a cedar uh, cedar point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which and I, like, okay. I was just gonna say it kind of doesn't doesn't surprise me. I mean, as far as like they want, they seem to be pretty, or they're very aware of the the brand and wanting everything to match and like fit. And if you have the the six hundred two, the pearl, and the MMX, and then have one that suddenly like people touch and their hand oils like make it ugly, like they want it to look <laughs> good on camera, you know, like yeah. they want on Instagram <laughs> and stuff. They don't they don't want it to to get all gnarly. So yeah, yeah. I mean, Not I surprised think. By that. I was disappointed by two things, and I'm being nitpicky as hell. And <laughs> I wanted a silver feral with Ooh, pink yeah. eraser, yeah. but I think they just wanted to keep all gold ferals and all gold imprints for the um, mm-hmm. the standard line. So like, you know, that's cool. But 
like I hope this isn't offensive, but I think they really failed with the name. It's like calling it <laughs> the Blackwing White or the you know the Blackwing Gray. Like there were a lot of cool like plays off of horses. Like they could have called it like the Wild Blackwing. That would have been kind of cool. It'd be better than Hell, Blackwing Mustang or uh, yeah. Uh, yeah or like I don't know. They yeah. could have just called it the Palomino. <sighs> HB. <laughs> Yeah, and colored it blue and poop. Yeah, (laughs) that that was yeah. That didn't really cross my mind. I don't have a problem with the natural. I don't know. I I I guess maybe it's so pretty. I wanted to have something more original. The Blackwing naked. Yeah, there are Blackwing bear. The Blackwing nude. The bear wing. Yeah. (laughs) The Blackwing naked. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of pencils already called the nat, the whatever natural. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that's that's what we would have called it, right? We would have yeah. called it a natural pencil. So, yeah. it's just, yeah, I don't know. It makes <laughs> but, sense, but I, oh, that's super nitpicky. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping yeah. that by the time we record, really several times. Yeah, time. I was gonna say you can send me yours if you're yeah. happy with that. By the time we record episode one thirteen, I'm hoping we'll we'll have them in hand and can talk a little bit more about them. Yeah. So, I assume. That this pencil is um, for those of you who got a hold of the 1917 mm. Blackwing. That it's basically the just the exact same pencil, just with a different imprint and a gray eraser. So, yeah. I mean, I assume that that's the as far as the the feel on the outside of it, like the the coating that it's got. On yeah, it, it's probably going to be exactly the same as that or the so a lot of choice or whatever. A lot of people in the group are talking about how this could. You know, the bottom could fall out of the like collector's market on the 211 and the 1917 and and so on. And I, I don't know about that. I think the 211 is still very kind of like special in its own right. And also, it's not an extra firm, right? So, I yep. think yeah. I, th- I think really this 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 the market will the bottom will fall out on like some of the some of the pencils that are like special just because they're extra firm, like the pink one and the mm-hmm. um, oh the. T- well, the twenty I don't know, the twenty four had such a such a good story that connected with so many people behind that's, it. That's and it true. was the first one. But like definitely the gold like the five thirty, right? Like the gold the gold one. Um although I, I'm coming around to the gold one because I love that stripe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a firm core, that was an extra firm. Oh no, yeah, that, was, that was extra firm. That was extra mm-hmm. firm, yeah. And yeah. then and then it also was? Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm googling this junk. Yeah, <laughs> and then the <laughs> yesterday. then the surrealist one. I don't remember the the edition. Fifty four. Fifty four. That's it. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. Yeah, the teal yeah. imprint got me. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good one. So how about how about you, Jenny? What are your what are your f points? So um, most of mine relate to my hometown. Um, a few weeks ago, I got to go to an event with um, Chris Roth and John Michael Moses from Write Notepads about um, sort of like brand identity. And John talked about product photography, which was interesting. I never actually thought about any of that stuff. So he's a great photographer. It was cool. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good talk. Well, I guess talks and um, got to meet some really cool people. And maybe even some of these ideas could be transferred to podcast branding or photography or something. I don't know. But um, one cool thing was right after that, they released their winter edition. The I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's a year of the pig notebook. Hmm. So if folks haven't seen it, it's like as red as paper can be with a cool texture. And their first ever gold foil hit of 
a cool graphic of a pig on the front for the Chinese New Year. And the inside is dot grid and, you know, they're super really awesome bright white paper and gold staples. So, like, this one is, like, so pretty. It went like hotcakes, um, too. Yeah, they went really quickly. I think I think these did last overnight, but not by much. Yeah. I think they made a lot more than they made of the Keats books. Then a few days later, the uh, CW Pencils were like, hey, we have some, too. And then they sold out real quick. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think, I don't remember if Greer didn't get them yet or if they already sold them out. Hmm. And then there was, there's another place in oh, Ocean City, Maryland, or Annapolis, Maryland, somewhere in Maryland. Oh, no, Virginia Beach, Virginia, that has them. But um, I don't remember the name or if they'll, you know, do it if you're not in Virginia Beach. But, um, yeah, these were cool. My um, my mom likes pigs and red, so Perfect. mine are all spoken for. So it's a double threat. <laughs> Should have bought more. But um, the other Baltimore thing is the Baltimore-Washington Pen Show is here in two weeks. Hmm. Well, not here. Hmm. Last year it was in downtown Baltimore. Now it's going to be by the airport again. But, um, you know, lots of cool folks show up this. Brad will be in town. Yes. Are you going to hang out? Um, I hope so. Is... We got invited to um, do like a table or something if we pencil folks had wanted to. But yeah. I, I just need to, to do. I need to get my crap together and actually like think about traveling to that kind of a thing. That would be really fun. Yeah, maybe next year. Yeah. And I th- I feel like but, we could um... pull together pull together some fundraising, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And then um, also, you know, one of the Kickstarter rewards could be hugs. <laughs> you know, if you, do, if you I, don't uh, pledge, Johnny's going to hug you. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm a good hugger. <laughs> get a I'll, gift. You, you, you can take that to you're, the you're, bank. If you're too you're short, you get, some te- you get some chest hair all up in your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it's gray these days. It's terrible. Some padding. Yeah. <laughs> It does make me look more muscular than I am. (laughs) Okay. So my one fresh point that is not related to Baltimore is, um, so how to handle this diplomatically. There's, there's often a lot of, um, drama in the field notes group. So I thought, Hey, why don't we start a field notes group that doesn't have a lot of drama and, you know, it's cool to trade stuff, but like that group has become so much waiting through all the trades that I thought we could make a group with no trades. So I made a new Facebook group, which is called Remember It Now. But, you know, we've already changed the rules a lot. It's just, you know, any pocket notebooks, but still no sales. Yeah. Um, I think people can so, do giveaways, right? Just not trades or sales. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, I've already had to rewrite one rule because everybody kept breaking it. And I was like, that ah, real stupid. <laughs> But, uh, you know, everybody plays nice, and that's good. Yeah. So that's another little corner of the internet. That's an excellent idea. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, obviously the title comes from um, Field Notes' motto or slogan, mm-hmm. whatever it is. I'm not writing it down to remember it later. I'm writing it down to remember it now. Yeah. Which is cool. I'm writing it down to remember it later because I don't have a memory. <laughs> <laughs> I turned 40 this summer, and I'm, it's turning off early. I'm writing it down to play with my new pl- pencil. <laughs> that is the bell to signal that this section of the podcast is over are we gonna sign off we're gonna sign off and call up bull all right let's do it (laughs) all right so why don't we jump into our main topic which is creating a signature signature with bull garlington 
Will Garlington is an award-winning columnist and author. His most recent book, The Full English, was Forward Review's nonfiction humor book of the year, 2017, which is awesome. Thank you very much for joining us, Bull. And um, before we start hitting you with questions, um, you want to tell us what you're consuming and also what what you're writing with slash on? Yeah, how much time do you have? Because uh, (laughs) it's it's a lot. so and first of all, I love that question on on the Google Doc for preparing for the show. That what you're what you're doing, what you're writing on. I've gone back and listened to a bunch of episodes, and I am going to be spending a lot of money because of you guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're good. In, in honor of you guys, this very moment, I'm using my favorite Blackwing 602, the Palomino, yeah. and um, uh, and I'm writing on my cheap legal pad. But uh, I have to say that I kind of have a. a a collection of journals that I use every day. Part of it is because I review journals, but part of it is also because I am deeply and horribly addicted to them. Yeah. And so <laughs> we have no idea what that's like. A, <laughs> yeah. How did you know? So usually compete. it's a yeah. Pilot Metropolitan is my my everyday, um, hmm. but I just rewarded myself and I'm replacing that with the Pilot Vanishing Point. Oh, um, those are nice. Mac, which is an incredible fountain pen, and I just I I can't get enough. I I just I doodle with it because I want to touch it all the time. And um, and then the notebooks that I'm using is something called a Before Breakfast Dots, which is from handmade in London from um, Mausolito uh, paper. <laughs> I don't know. My wife bought it in Belgium. Hmm. And uh, it's a weird, it's the weird A6 side. And it's uh, made in a, something called a Swiss binding. So Ooh, this is cool. In a way that's different from most lay flat notebooks we're used to and i'm kind of reviewing it right now and it is from a company called before breakfast dot london this is and interesting I, i'm loving this little thing uh i use a luch therm five-year journal uh because i am in four and a half years i'm going to write an article about having used it for five years um, <laughs> playing the so long I'm game gonna, yeah yeah the long game uh yeah i'm only going to get like 200 bucks for it so that's what uh 0.0 cents per day I'm <laughs> uh, i've used the bullet journals bullet journal but i don't use it as a bullet journal i just use it as a journal hmm. um and uh and then i'm using a staples composition notebook it's a long story i'm not going to get into it i know it's a piece of crap and everyone hates it but uh somebody challenged me and then uh my my legal pad which is ampad and then uh, is, on Etsy, I get these pocket notebooks called simple notebooks. And when I go out and do stories, that's where I take notes in. And when I'm recording stuff, I put my, my meters on there. Um, so, yeah, that's me every day. Is your Ampad the the one from Staples, the the gold fiber Ampad? Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's the one with the really heavy back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Although I don't like the paper. But on the other hand, uh, you know, I just wrote an article about how uh, – even though I love journals and I, lo- I love great and expensive and beautiful notebooks, the truth is uh, a cheap legal pad is yeah. probably the best way to run your day because you, because it's cheap, you don't care. And mm-hmm. so you don't hinder yourself and you don't worry about being neat and you do stupid crap. If you could look at mine right now, you would say, how in God's name do you read that? <laughs> and, uh, and so that's, it, it allows you to be creative uh, during the day where I'm going along. So even though I have a crazy, stupid method for what I put on it at the beginning of the day in the morning, as I go through the day, it just becomes an insane like piece of weird art, pomo art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, 
I really, really love one of my favorite notebook notepads is that Ampad gold fiber notepad. Um, the one that has the spiral binding at the top and that like, um, almost like, Oh, I don't even know what to call it. Like a particle board. That's not it. Um, like the old timey cover that press board, that's what it's called. Um, love those. I think they're, they look so good, but like that, yeah, the legal pad too is like, and it's pretty good for pencil. It's pretty fibrous and toothy. It is very nice for pencil. Absolutely. Yeah. For a fountain pen, I just yeah. put one to bleed through to the very back. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. By the end of a year, by the end of, I say a year, I get one every month. By the end of the month, the very last page looks like some weird reverse constellation. It's just, <laughs> like, just dots yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so um, for our first question, why don't you, if you would, please tell us a little bit about your professional background and how it relates to your personal relationship with stationary. It's a little nosy. Do, do you have a, do you have a close personal relationship with stationary? Yeah. <laughs> with stationary. I mean, as, assuming your relationship with stationary is life? personal. <laughs> stationary is my your co-pilot. Stationary has affected my life in the following way. We're going to have an intervention, a pentervention. Yes. Oh my God. A new Pen, podcast. Pentervention. Um, so, Here's the deal. I've been writing since uh, before you guys were born, and uh, I'm assuming. And uh, so I started working at a, a daily newspaper in the late 80s, and uh, I've been doing that kind of thing ever since, off and on with uh, strange ventures into service industries and retail. But I have always kept a notebook, uh, and uh, recently I was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, when the moleskin craze kind of hit and, you know, or, or reemerged, I guess you could say, I thought I should really upgrade my notebook game. And so I went out and I bought a, a moleskin and, you know, one thing led to another. And pretty soon I was buying Faber Castells with the weird metal cap. And I was, you know, buying strange sticky notes and crazy highlighters. And I was YouTubing videos about how to sharpen your pencil. I've used a journal every single day for a million years. And uh, my preferred journal used to be a national, uh, a national narrow ruled IE's paper and uh, a notebook. And it was a, called a 33004. And it's a perfect size. And I loved it. And it was spiral bound. But once I got my hands on, you know, a luch to derm and a, and a moleskin. There was no going back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I use notebooks in my profession because uh, nothing works better than a notebook for capturing ideas. And when you're when you're in the field and you're you're doing a story, I interview a lot of people, and mm -hmm. so a lot of times what I'm doing is I'm letting the recorder go while they're talking, and I'm having a just a regular conversation with them like we're having now. But in my notes, I'm writing down, uh, I'm looking at the, the meter on, on the recorder and, I, and I'm, I'll write down like 23.04. He said this one thing about wine and, and I know later on that's going to be part of the story and I can go right to it and I'll get thoughts and, and write in questions and stuff and, you know, cr just crazy ideas and, and weird quotes. I, the other day I was uh, at a press gig at a giant German restaurant here in Chicago. It's the Hofbrau House. It's, a, it's ginormous, like 2,000 people. Can drink in it, and they were all Jeez. there. And it was their sixth anniversary, and you know they have the Oom Pa Pa band, and everybody's in lederhosen, and and uh, there's free beer. So um, I was professionally <laughs> inebriated. I was not casually inebriated. It's your duty. I was 
I was I had an obligation. Yeah. And I was about <laughs> six obligations into my obligation, and I was having a good time. And and uh, uh, they brought us a, a plate of something, and my wife said, uh, uh, "What is that?" And I said, "It's vegetarian." She goes, "But there's bacon in it." And I said, "It's German vegetarian." <laughs> and I wrote, and I thought that's that's gonna go in the story, so I wrote it down on 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 a little paper, and I quoted it. And, it, it made it into the story, and that's why notebooks are important, man. You got to capture those moments because if you rely on, if you had to open up, you know, uh, I'm just gonna not say a brand, but an application, and then some type that crap into there, eh, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, um, so really, you're here to talk today about um, signatures and perfecting a signature and creating it. So. Um, as, as we all know, it is 2019 and we use our faces and our fingers to unlock our phones, um, which are the gateway to our entire lives, really. Um, so, so why, why are you interested specifically in signatures? Well, I think a, a signature is one of the places where we get to be, uh, you know, real on paper and, um, when you, when you, first of all, I always say that you draw your signature. You don't really write your signature hmm. because the signature is not exactly prose. You know, yeah. the signature is logo. It's it's almost an ideogram or, or something. And when you don't really write your signature, you draw your signature. And and so when when I draw my signature anywhere, whether it's on a check or if I'm signing a book or something like that, it's important. And because I'm I'm giving like if I'm if I'm signing a book and this is where all this comes down to me signing books. If I'm signing a book to a guy, he's gonna come back and look at that signature at some point, you know? And and it that's what is gonna define me as much as the, the contents of the book. Hmm. And um and so, you know, I thought to myself, I'm starting to go by the uh the 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 name bull in my bylines. I need to actually sign. I'm, I'm signing all my books, Chris Garland, and it's weird. And so I decided to change my signature for a second time in my life and uh, learn how to draw as a signature for Bull Garlington. And I have to tell you, it was not easy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You got to like reprogram that into your muscle memory and everything. That's, <clears throat> I think of, uh, when I think of signing, as far as like a uh, book signing, one experience that sticks out to me is uh, I, I saw the the writer Michael Shabon speak in Michigan and he I, I still I I still yeah absolutely and I still remember his I can still see it in my head I mean I still have the book of course but I watched him sign it and then I saw him just do this little thing where he he looked up and he looked in one direction and kind of like decided yep that's the way and then he pointed an arrow and made a little compass and wrote north <laughs> on the arrow <laughs> it was just ah, like a, that's cool because the book he was writing was or the, that I got signed was Maps and Legends, yeah. his book of essays. And so he yeah. was, you know, it was like his little compass rose that he was putting on his signature. And just like, that little thing, I mean, it just like made it for me. I can still picture that, that signature huh. in my head always. I actually just saw on Instagram that he's signing his new book, Bookends, and he's drawing bookends onto his signature like on either <laughs> ends of it. Oh, that's all awesome. It's just, a thing. And it, it's, the weird thing is it's a tangible, intangible thing, right? Because, okay, it's it's portable and it's intangible in the sense that it exists, it's in a book. But what's really valuable about it is what you just said, is that story. And and that's the intangible part of it, you know. And I've seen authors that that uh, just sign just the weirdest, strangest, loopy, dumb, as fast as they can, sometimes not even looking at the page. And mm -hmm. I thought that's not, 
I don't, I don't like that. You know, when a guy comes up, when somebody comes up to my table and, or, or the back of my car or just an alley somewhere, wherever I'm signing books and <laughs> they say, uh, and, and they, they hold it out for me to sign. That, that's like, it's, it's like one of those weird, you know, Japanese business card ceremonies. You know what I mean? It, it, yeah. It's a little bit of a ritual. And so I, I want them to see me do, I want to take my time. Mm-hmm. what i do and and if i ever actually get famous and there's a lot of people in line it's going to be like three days for them to get through it because <laughs> that's like david sedaris <laughs> right and they say yeah, david sedaris yeah. will spend like five hours signing books and stuff after reading that'll be you <laughs> yeah yeah Just take your time only. and enjoy it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so like why do you think uh i mean you've, you've kind of hinted at this a little bit but how would you uh how would you explain why having that little piece of writing uh, that represents us is so important, even in the digital age. Like even today, when we, you know, sign for our taxes with like a, a code number or whatever, you know, like that we have like these little things that we do to sign that aren't that, you know, our mark. Uh, why is it? Why is it still still important today? Well, this is the best question, and and because this is, I think, what matters most about a signature and about writing in general, but particularly a signature, and that is that. Uh, and I'm about to go deep here. Okay. It's, when you when you sign your name, when you draw your signature on a page, you're uh, creating something that never existed before you did that, and you are literally uh, carving your logos into the the real world. Now, you're engraving the real world every time you sign your name, and I think that uh, it's important to develop uh, by developing a I love what you said a signature signature then you actually add uh, important ritual to that moment. And so every single time you sign your name, your signature, signature properly, when you put your mind, when you're mindful about it, then for that three and a half seconds, it takes you to do that. Uh, that's a moment that's kind of in a weird way out of time. That's, that's a, a little bitty meditation on paper. And I think that there is enormous value in that. The phones that we carry around, as powerful as they are, um, they don't—they uh, don't give anything meaning. They—they they can only carry data, and they can carry stories, and we can read a story, and there's meaning in it. But the meaning didn't come from the device, and the meaning didn't come from using the device. The meaning came from somebody who wrote the story and you reading the story. That's where the meaning occurs. But when you write your signature. There's meaning right there in that moment. And I think that's why it's important to really think about that. That's a part of your life that you're going to do a lot, especially if you're uh, a person who is, you know, out in the world doing speaking engagements, book settings, you need to sign your name a lot. You should take control of that. You should take ownership of it. And you should also take responsibility of it. Hmm. That's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well put. Well put. I'd also like to sell you guys some essential oils if we have some moments <laughs> after some more deep stuff I can talk about. So, um, as we're sort of moving into more super specifics of signatures, um, so I guess this is the most general specific question. What are some yeah specific elements that you think are you know essential for a great signature? Well, uh, I think I think it's 
you have to remember that it's a signal. It's a symbol. Uh, it's not really words, like we said earlier. So I think uniqueness is important. And that uniqueness mm-hmm. doesn't mean it has to be some crazy thing like what Picasso does. Uh, uniqueness means that um, it is uh, singular. And even if it's beautifully neat and perfect Spencerian script, that's unique. That's your signature. It's not like anybody else's. And it's not um, just a plain crappy line. Uh, you put If you put just a little effort into it, then you've got a beautiful, unique artifact that you give to somebody every time you, you sign that. Readability is important. I think flourish is important. Uh, I think illustration makes for a great, like you talked about uh, Siobhan. I mean, that guy makes an illustration in all of the signatures. I put an illustration in my signature. I think that that uh, lends it um, uh, more character and, and uh, I don't know. It, it, it's, I hate to say brand because I don't mean it like in the marketing way. I mean it more like in a cattle way, you know, like when you like, have you guys seen my signature? Did I send it to you? I don't think so. I don't think so. Well, that, yeah. that was stupid, wasn't it? <laughs> that would have helped a lot, right? Um, so it's uh, it's my name, Bull Garlington. And then underneath it, there's a little symbol. It's a geometric symbol that I that I made up that is the uh, that is a bull's head. And as much as I practiced the signature, I also had to practice that. And so I got it down to the most minimum number of strokes that I could do it. And so it says Bull Garlington, and then there's a little bull underneath it. And in it, it, that, you know how people put like a, a horizontal line under their name, sometimes a flourish. That's, that's my flourish. And I think stuff like that makes for a good signature. I, I'm really curious what makes, what are some undesirable characteristics of a, of a bad signature? And I assume you're just going to talk about everything that's in my signature. <laughs> Laziness. Yeah. <It's> terrible <laughs> yep, you got it. Yeah. And it is so obvious. And, uh, and I mean, for everyday, I mean, for everyday stuff, whatever, you know, I mean, I understand why people have uh, illegible signatures because they're in a hurry. You know, my name, when I spell out my entire name, it has like almost 30 letters in it. All right. It's a long, I might as well be Polish. It's a long name. And there are times when I, there's no way I'm going to go through the process of signing all those things when I'm in a hurry. I just put a G and put a circle around it and go, yeah, that's it. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but. That is that is lazy. And I can tell you who's got uh, terrible signatures, and it's surprising. Uh, J.K. Rowling's signature is horrible. Interesting. It is yeah. uh, it is ludicrous. It looks like she's drunk. It, it it's not <laughs> even letters. It's not letters. It's not an illustration. It's just like here is exactly enough ink so that you can say therefore is a signature, sir, and walk away. But you can't read it. Yeah, mine mine got really bad. I. When I was in in college and right after, I worked in uh, admitting in the emergency room, and I would for every patient that came in, there would be like three different forms, and then they would sign it, and then I would sign it. So I was signing my signature hundreds of times a night, and it sort of just sort of devolved into this capital A and capital W, and then like a like a squiggly line. Yeah, I mean, if you said that out loud, what would it be? It'd be A yeah. 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 And like, if you went out in the world, right? If you went out in the world and and someone in your okay, let's say you're at Starbucks and you reverse Starbucks entirely. This is what's going to happen now. And they go, "What would you like?" And you go, uh-huh. and and you know, and and they just stare at you like you do when they call your name. Mm-hmm. And 
because they don't know what you're saying. You just sound like an insane person. Well, your signature, when it's lazy, that's what it's doing. Yeah, I've got my my students at school. These kids, I need to get them on the on the bandwagon here and get them to work on their signatures. Because I have some kids that I it's like, hey, you have to sign this to say that you got this form or whatever, and they'll just like write it in print. They'll just write, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like because why? Because we don't teach cursive anymore. Yeah, um, cursive. and they're also. And they might be lazy too, but that's possible. <laughs> well, you know, another thing besides laziness is indifference, and mm-hmm. and that's part of laziness. But it, you know, I, I'm I'm going to tell you somebody has a terrible signature, and it's going to astound you, and you're going to be sad afterwards. So I just want you to be prepared to be sad. But David Bowie's signature was fucking horrible. Oh no! <laughs> right? It <laughs> that was is, that the is most sad. In, Bummer. Yeah. It was the most indifferent, lazy, inconsequential scribble artifact you'll ever see it is dumb and and i am a freak about david bowie and it is the exact opposite of any great song he ever wrote it is just useless Hmm. Uh, that's a bummer but yeah i know (laughs) (laughs) sad now yeah Yeah. i i have to say that one of my i just a sort of a a short jump from from bowie is that John Lennon, I feel like, had a strong, uh, a strong signature, especially in that period where he started doing that little, like, almost like single line sketch of himself. Yeah, uh, you know yeah, what I'm talking about, like with the long, with the long hair and the glasses. Uh, he would draw that underneath his signature. I that mean, was... how old was he when he did that? He was in his, I think he was in his like late 30s, early 40s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, did he ever make it to his early 40s? Uh... I could look that up on Google, but I'm not going to. I'm on my way. (laughs) Uh, He was 40 years old when he died. Wow. I think there's a period in your life, and I think it's in your late 30s or mid-30s, when um, that's when you – okay, you you know, your life goes in seven-year stages, right? So it's seven years old, 14 years old. And so there's a period in your 30s um, where uh, a lot of stuff has happened to you, and it's almost like you're restarting in a lot of ways. You'll find a lot of people in their 30s are – that's when they go out and look for, you know, mystical reaffirmation and, and, you know, they join the Lions Club and stuff like that. And it's because they're trying to reconnect. Oils. It's like all their, <laughs> yeah, their friends have moved away to different places and people are having babies and it's weird. And I think that's when a lot of people begin to think about their signature. What is my legacy to, you know, to the, to the future? Right. And also, you're just old enough. You're just barely old enough to about people that are younger than you and you go really that's your signature you lazy no good why lineal and and so you go look at this and then you do something from you know 1874 on the stage and like yeah. <laughs> yeah. what what is what language is that <laughs> yeah. yeah so uh what are well we're like we've kind of already been on this this uh this topic but what are some of your favorite signatures well when you when I saw this question, I didn't want to do the thing where you go online and, and you find all this stuff. I want to really think about signatures in my life that that actually um, that I actually discovered were good. And the first one has to be Frank Prezetta. I don't okay. know if you guys are familiar with him, but he is an artist. And if you've ever seen like you know if you ever seen a, a really great like uh, uh, sword and sorcery book cover, all right, it was probably Frank Prezetta. And the moment you see his art, you go, oh, that guy. And uh, I mean, if you, I know you guys didn't live in the 70s, but there were so many 
uh, minivans in the 70s that had Frank Prezetta paintings on the side of them. They were, <laughs> he was just a, you know, every pothead had a Frank Prezetta poster <laughs> in their room or, or a tattoo or something. And, and he just had that, you know, he, he did pictures of, he, he did, did all the Tarzan covers and he did, he did some, uh, he did some uh, Dune covers too, I think, like, um, yes. like oh, some, God, some sci-fi. Yeah. yeah, I'm recognizing the style. Yeah, we could go on a tangent about all the great psychedelic artists of the 70s who weren't actually psychedelic, like Roger Dean and this guy. But look at his signature, because I know you have it up, up right now. Yeah. His signature's cool, man. Yeah, that is really you know? cool. And, and I was a little kid when I got into Frank Frazetta, and, and, uh, which my mother didn't appreciate, because also look at what he's painting. It's just <laughs> There's a lot of butts. Yeah. A lot of butts, yeah. <laughs> we, don't want to, we don't want to get into that. We want to go where that headed. Yeah. But um, I have proclivity. But uh, yeah. that was the first signature that got me. And then right after that was uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, because mm-hmm. I started reading uh, The Hobbit and, and, and those books. And, and I, you know, I got into J.R.R. Tolkien, and he's got a really cool signature. Mm-hmm. It's, it's nothing special, but when you look at it, it's just, I don't know, it feels like him, you know? Uh, and then Walt Disney, of course. Of course. Oh, yeah. Which they yeah, turn into a whole brand. Yeah. Yeah, right. And which is, you know, I mean, that's that's what it's that's what a signature can be. Yeah. Kurt Vonnegut has a just a great. Yeah. He draws himself. And yep, it's yes. fantastic. Yes. And then I, I finally, you really got to go all the way back to the uh, the 15th century to Albert Dr- Al- Albrecht Dürer. Hmm. He was the guy that did all the engravings that your friends who think you're into alchemy use. <laughs> and and uh, his signature was really a just his his uh, his initials. This is uh, it's almost you, more like a logo mark than a signature. Yeah, it's like a logo mark, but yeah. I mean, it's still a signature, you know. And, yeah. And, yeah. And I think it's not written, so maybe it doesn't count here. But uh, it was really one of the ones that that caught my attention, and uh, I always always liked it. So those are the ones. Hmm. One of my favorites is, uh, or at least recently, like when we started thinking about this topic and, and talking about the the one that jumped immediately immediately to my head was that I really love uh, President Obama's autograph or his signature. Mm. Um, yeah, like when you see how he does the uh, the the really big B and then it's and then the O he overlaps the B on top of the O so it goes like mm-hmm. right through the through the center of it. Um, I really I just think that's really really distinct one, a really memorable one. And as I uh, <coughs> excuse me. As we were talking, I had I had searched it because I wanted to look it up again to to talk about it, and I I just texted this to Johnny and Andy, but I <laughs> I found someone online who uh, had taken his signature and then basically made a drawing out of the lines that he created, uh, mm-hmm. which makes it look it looks like a, a dinosaur like playing with a ball of yarn or something, but it actually <laughs> is the exact out <laughs> the exact outline of his signature that kind of took those lines and turned it into something that was. Pretty that's, clever, but I think it's a a, a memorable signature. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. I almost I almost put it on the list, but I, I just thought it was like uh, you know it's uh, I I didn't want to put it on it because I almost had to look it up. I, I'm a you know he's a I live in Chicago. Obama's my my, my jam. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> but here's the cool thing about his signature. Look at it. I know you've got it on the screen right now. Uh-huh. Look at it and think to yourself, what's it going to look like in 20 years? Right? Because <laughs> because 20 years from now he'll have been signing that signature for an awfully long time yeah and yeah. signatures evolve right 
And I'm curious to, to what it's going to like. And you bring up something weird that I didn't talk about earlier when you're talking about how I made my signature, and that is the letter B. So, I mean, I, you know, for, for 30 odd years, 40 odd years, I, I signed C, H, blah, blah, blah. The letter B was simply not something that I ever did in a signature. It was not even close. And uh, so when I started to do Bull Garlington, it really hung me up. I had to learn how to, I had to learn how to, to draw the letter, to sign the letter B in cursive. And then I had to kind of learn how to do it with a flourish and make it, you know, make it natural. And it took me just, I, I had pages and pages filled up with that signature and then just with the letter B until I got it down so it was, it was right. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. So um, <clears throat> speaking of your practice, we were sort of going to move the discussion a little more into your signature. So when you were practicing your signature, can you tell us a little bit about um, what tools you did you use? Uh, pencils, pens, paper, um, etc. Um, so it, you know, it's a lot of things like that aren't really well planned out. And that was one of them. I just one day I was like, nah, I gotta, I gotta have a new signature. It was about that much thought went into it. And uh, despite whatever I said earlier, the truth is I was like, crap, that's not going to work. And I had to do a new signature. <laughs> and uh, so I was sitting at my desk and whatever was at hand, which was probably a, a, a pilot G2 gel pen, which is, is my backup pen. Mm. And, uh, but when I sat that, that was when I first tried it out. Like, like, can I do this? And, but when I finally kind of like, okay, here's, here's phase one, you know, and I kind of got the hang of it. I did go back to the black wing, uh, 602. And I, I got a whole box of the Palominos and, and I use them rarely because I just, I consider them a precious resource on my desk. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so, so here's, here's, I'm sitting here. I actually have the whole practice thing in front of me right now, not the actual pages, but what I, I did. And so it's that, um, Oh, what is the name of the, uh, hang on a minute. the brass, the Rupert, the Mobius and Rupert bullet. Oh yeah. The brass right? bullet. Yeah. I had that, and I had the black wing, and I had uh, my legal pad and some of my 3304s, and uh, that's what I used. And nice. uh, because I wanted the, the thing about the the black wings is that I like the way they degrade while you're practicing, right? Mm. Because it gave the signature some some interesting uh, evolution as I was doing it, and I got to see it in different ways simply because lead degrades. Yeah. And, uh, and so, and then, you know, once I, I got it to where I liked it, you know, it was me obsessively sharpening like every fourth yeah. letter. So it'd be perfect. But ultimately I had to move to, you know, the, uh, to my pens and it's a pilot metropolitan. Uh, I, I used after that until I got it down right. And then I realized I couldn't use my pilot metropolitan when I'm on premises because it, I'm going so fast it would rip right through the page yeah really so like ultimately a, i have to use a, a sharpie yeah and and i My think books are crap that's why <laughs> i think a sharpie is probably too something it, it kind of degrades over time like I, I feel like i've seen you know authors when they sit down for like a, a book signing session you know they have three or four sharpies with them because the point just kind of like eventually wears out yeah um, yeah. yeah and uh also i mean they smell great so you yeah. want to watch <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Shove them all up your nose. So uh, this is a podcast, <laughs> after all, about pencils. Um, and what pencils um, make good pencils for signing things? Um, I don't know if you have specific pencils in mind, but like also just characteristics. Like to me, something like a 
you know, like a original Blackwing, an original Palomino Blackwing. The MMX is like nice and dark and kind of like, well, um, now I'm mad like soft. I, yeah, I don't have an MMX. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm kind of mad about that because I think you guys should have sent me like a box of stuff. That's true. This, so. Yeah, like sign your name <laughs> with all these things. Free things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I I don't have I don't have that. Now I'm going to have to go out and buy a box of them. So yay, more money from you yay. guys. Thanks a lot. Well, you can go if you go to <laughs> Gre- if if you go to Greer in Chicago, you can get them by the single. Are you in Chicago? No, I've been to chicago a bunch of times but uh greer yeah, um great. They're yeah great yeah um so i don't sign my name in pencil though i mean who does really except for that yeah. weirdo that you talked about a minute ago you don't <laughs> sign your name in pencil you sign your name in pen it's true and uh and so i mean i don't think there really is very many i would you know i would put i would put the archer i really like the baron fig archer a lot mm. and uh wait is that right is it the baron fig yep mm-hmm. yep yeah, I like the Archer a lot. I think it's a cool pencil, and I think that it, uh, I think it, it leaves a really good lead line on the page. Yeah, and uh, and so I like that one a lot. But I'm man, I'm in the six hundred two camp all day long. Yeah, that's that's the pen that I love more than anything. And I would be interested in seeing a uh, Koinor triograph um, sign because it's like this big Whoa. fat. Oh. Uh, triangular sharpie of pencils. Yeah, yeah, it's the sharpie of pencils, and I would be really interested to see it. It'd probably be kind of smudgy because it's pretty soft too. But... Oh man, that, yeah, it's like the poster marker of pencils. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, is there a value in finding in pencil? I, I mean, I mean, I guess visually, if you find a pencil that that gives your your signature its uh, signature look, yeah, um, well, then if... yeah, you would want to do that. But imagine, imagine, okay, so imagine if you're an author and you're at a book signing and you're going to do it in pencil. You need to have like 40 of them. Well, if and it's... you need to have the right sharpener, you know? Yeah. Well, if it's a, I mean, if it's something like that or in a book, like you probably don't want to use pencil because the friction will kind of rub it off. But if it's something where you're signing a document that won't be moving around very much, like it, um, you know, it's, it's better than ink, right? It doesn't fade. Um, it's mineral on paper. So it's, just, it's kind of archival quality kind of by default. So, hmm. um, so yeah. You know, yeah. You never know if the if they see you pull out a kind of a unique pencil, like an odd thing they've never seen, that that could add to kind of the story of the signature too, right? Like, uh, yeah. yeah, them seeing you pull out and being like, "Yeah, it was kind of cool." He signed it and saw him use a he used this crazy pencil with a flat eraser on the top. I don't know what it was, but it was, yeah, it was obviously there on purpose. <laughs> I'm, I'm a relentless merch freak, and if 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 I was going to do something like that, then I would. I would buy them in bulk and I would sell them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> buy the pen I use to sign my name. Uh, how shameless and horrible. But yeah, I would Yeah, so I mean, I guess if we're, when when you're signing, with signatures, are there any kind of like accessories that kind of go with it? You see people who have like, I don't know, little extra things with them when they're signing, uh, whether it's blotter paper or certain uh, things that you just, Kind of need to have by or have, have as backups or things like that. Yeah, does that does anything cross your mind in that category? Well, I mean, I think there's a point where you're getting sort of like you know steampunk extra. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean if you have to yeah, whip like a out briefcase like a case, you open up. Yeah, like a little wooden thing. It's got a bunch of locks and it's like a whole. You know, it sounds like you're playing music when you <laughs> open it because there's so many things to do. It's like a percussion <laughs> thing, and you take out a monocle and a pink hat. When Neil Stevenson they, signs yeah. his books, he has he has this with him, a broadsword. <laughs> and... Yeah, yeah. 
just sharpen his pencil. Just sharpen All right, his now we're going to go off on a tangent because you just talked about my favorite person. Right Neil Stevenson? Oh, my God. I adore <laughs> that guy. I think yeah. that his uh, – uh, of course, I can't think of the name of the three books that he did. The, oh, the – yeah. Um, you're right. <laughs> I can't think of it either. <laughs> the Byzantine Trilogy? Or yeah. Such extraordinary writing. I mean, really and truly – uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of sci-fi and, and fantasy and stuff. And you go, that's really good. But secretly going, I would, I would not tell my real friends I read that, you know, <laughs> and, and, but with him, man, it just, it, it surpassed uh, uh, the genre, really, the way that great uh, sci-fi and fantasy books can. And yeah. is, everything he writes is definitely borders on literature, but those in particular um, definitely moved over. I would, I would love to see how he signs his name. I, I never even thought about that till just now. And it probably is with a broadsword. I'm going to look that up right now. Oh, I think you would be disappointed. No, just stop. Yeah. Let's go to the I next subject. I won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't uh, yeah. I don't think that, I, I think that even though everything I said about this signature, even though I really have thought about it that much, uh, there's a point at which it's, it's overkill. And, and I think if you have to bring accessories, um, there's even when you know the president signs a document he's got like seven pens but yeah. it's just a pen there's nothing else and, and you know i think at some point like blotter paper uh, i don't i mean it's Let's not get real fancy three yeah. yeah it's uh you know if i see somebody break out a quill i'm like really man <laughs> I mean, there's a point of diminishing returns yeah and so i don't think you i don't think you should have because here's the, here's the deal, man. The value of the signature is not in the is not in the material. Yeah. So your signature should work just as well with a with a uh, um, a Faber Castell as it does with a burnt match. It, it just it, it's not in whatever you're writing with or whatever you're writing on. It, it is the act itself that's all that you use and that you employ when you make that mark. That's the important part. Everything else is is distraction. Yeah, that's interesting. So um, sort of wrapping up our personal talk, so you mentioned lots of practice and um, I guess the flip side of laziness being the importance of effort. Um, what would you suggest to pencil fans out there listening to this podcast who might want to get started um, sort of perfecting their own signatures? Well, learn how to write cursive. Yeah. Um, I think that's important, but don't, don't use the Spencerian practice books. Um, Spencerian handwriting it even though it's gorgeous you're you're not creating a doctorate degree that you're going to hand to somebody here you're not doing calligraphy and spencerian uh cursive is just it's really hard mm. and it has the strange brutal unnaturalness that was kind of common in the 19th century that like manifest destiny thing where like i will make the world bend to my will including my handwriting and <laughs> it's too hard to learn there's a method called Oh, now I should have had this up. It's called the italic method. And the the two women that are calligraphy experts that actually put it together are, they still have a, a website and a school and books and everything. So you can look it up. And uh, they have a really simplified version of cursive that is easy to read, easy to learn, easy to practice. And, uh, and it, it just, it makes a lot more sense than old style cursive. But you need to learn cursive. Yeah. And and despite the fact that Picasso didn't write in cursive and some other people didn't, it doesn't matter. You you do need to. And so that's the first thing is that. And 
Then the second thing I think is, I mean, you have to ask yourself why you're, why you're thinking about your signature and why you want to do something with it. You know, is it because you're an author? Is it because you just want to redefine yourself? And if so, what does that mean? And how does that affect the letters that you put down on the page? And, and you know, and, and are you going to have an illustration? And, you know, what kind of flourishes are you going to have? Are you going to John Hancock this thing? Are you just going to, you know, Charles Darwin it? I mean, there's, <laughs> you know, there are choices to be made. How big is it going to be? Where is it going to fit? You know, is it going to be loopy and weird with a daisy over the eye? Or is it going to be, you know, crypt, crypt and manly and blockish? I mean, those are all the things you have to decide. But once you decide, then you got to knuckle down and practice it. You really do. You have to... If you journal, which I hope everyone listening to the podcast journals, then at the end of your journal entry, sign your name hmm. and your new signature. You know, do it two or three times. And every once in a while, when you got a few moments, fill up a whole page. And because what you're doing is developing muscle memory in your hand. And and there comes a point where it's just like practicing a musical instrument or, or anything else. It, it, you no longer have to think about it. And when you're at the point where you don't have to think about it anymore, that's when it becomes a signature. Yeah. That's a damn good quote, and that's what you should put up front. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So does anyone have any other questions for Bull? Or anything we want to talk about? I'm interested in if there's anything we, we missed, Bull, that you, you want to make sure to mention about this. Um gee, uh, that's you know what? That's I ask that same question to interview every interview I do, and I've never thought about how to answer it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tables are turned. I, I, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know. I think I forgot to mention where I write, but you're going to have it like in your podcast or on your page. So that doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. When we wrap up, we'll make sure to ask where people can find yeah. you and find your stuff. So yeah. I think that um, I just, you know, people should look up the benefits of writing. And they should look up the benefits of doodling and they should look up the benefits of using a beautiful instrument. Even if it's a, a three and a half dollar black wing, it's still a beautiful instrument that yeah. people have put enormous amount of thought into creating just so that you can make marks. And so use it and make marks. And even if you're just doing goofy, dumb stuff on a page, there's, I wrote about it in an article and I called using a beautiful pencil. I wrote specifically about the black wing in the, in a pilot metropolitan. Hmm. And I said that, that to have two great instruments on hand means that whenever you use them, you are engaging in a brief luxury. There, there, the, when you write with a black wing, you guys know this, it, it is a luxurious moment mm-hmm. and it's, micro luxury because you're just writing the letter you know q but it's still just for that brief moment you're engaging in uh, luxuriously creating uh, a beautiful image with a beautiful instrument and that's just so valuable and it has to add the more you do it the more it has to add to your daily joy and you can make a poster out of that if you want to but i think it's a real thing yeah so write more write more it's a, yeah, we definitely are not going to disagree with that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that was fun. So I didn't good. cuss as much as I usually do, so I hope you 
there's always next time. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. I, I, I took down the timestamps of when you cuss so I can, so I can uh, typewriter bill it out. <laughs> like I have to say, I, 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 a brief story before we go, and, and that is uh, this author event way out in some suburbs somewhere. And I didn't know that there was somebody doing a podcast. And they said, will you come on our podcast? I was like, yeah, sure. And I just really wasn't paying much attention, and I really didn't care that much. And there were people in the room that were laughing, so I was kind of performing a little bit, you know. And yeah. it was a little bit more like stand-up than it was answering questions. And uh, I got an email from them later, and they said, listen, we love uh, the broadcast of Weekly on TV. We will never put it on the air. Um, <laughs> we, will play it at, we will play it at Christmas parties. But if we had taken out all the curse words, we would have had about seven or eight seconds of usable airtime. <laughs> no, nothing less. They said, thank you for a great, a great broadcast we could never use. <laughs> I was like, okay, I need to work on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Well, awesome. thanks for talking with us, Bull. This is great. Yeah. yeah. It was good to, was good to meet fun. you. And... Yeah. Can you tell folks where to find you on the internet and social media also, if you like? Yeah. BullGarlington.com is uh, my website. And then my Instagram is also Bull Garlington. And if you're confused, just look for the big blue hat with the horns. Um, long story. But I am <laughs> often I often walk around in downtown Chicago wearing basically the Fred Flintstone stone cutter's hat. Because um, <laughs> I like to be stupid on purpose. And uh, and and then Facebook it's uh, at a just look up Bull Garlington or G Bull. Or if you want to join my secret society. <laughs> All right, write this down with your pen on good paper. It's called the Greater Chicago Astrophysicist and Big Game Hunters Music Appreciation Society. <laughs> and that is we, a mouthful. Uh, yeah, we do. Well, the way that you join is usually in a bar somewhere, and you have to repeat it back correctly after hearing it one time, which no one ever does, which is fun. And, uh, and <laughs> it's, a, it's a very small society. There, there, yeah, there's about 40 of us, and we go out and do – the next thing is in June, and it's called uh, Bull Garlington's Goddamned Impossible Scavenger Hunt, and uh, and that's really what it is, and it is quite literally impossible. We just go out and wear funny hats and drink together, so check it out. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so in that same right, vein, um, Andy and Tim, do you want to – oh. Yeah. Well, I'm not leaving. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> So in the same vein, Andy and Tim, do you guys want to say where our folks can find you on the internet? Sure. I am in uh, woodclinch.com and andy.wtf. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram as at awuffly. How about you, Tim? You can find me on Twitter at Tim Wassum, and I'm on Instagram at Timothy Wassum and at Membership Pod. So, uh, you can find me at pencilrevolution.com more often lately and on social media at Pencilution. We are da, 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 the Erasable podcast you can find us at erasable.us <laughs> like picture us in our again, t-shirts like duh, duh, duh. <laughs> one take johnny come on johnny <laughs> so um yeah you can find this episode episode 112 at erasable.us slash 112 you can find us on social media at erasable podcast you can join our facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash erasable which is like reason enough to have a Facebook account and indeed for Zuckerberg's endeavor to still exist anymore. <laughs> so thank you for tuning in. Practice your signature and we'll see you for our next 
episode in which we talk about paint markers and fountain pens. That was a surprise that, to me. That was a, cl- <laughs> that was a cluster. <laughs> f- that was a wild ride. I assume you edit this out a lot. Well, sometimes I leave it in because it's really funny, but yeah, I might, I might actually have I to edit sometimes. Cl-